thanks. Hi. Uh, like Mike said, my name is Burke, and, and uh, I, I only look 16. Um, I'm, I'm older than that. Uh, not by much, really, I guess. But, um, and I am new to this. Uh, I've done something. I've talked to, to a group about this size once before, and uh, they didn't throw any vegetables at me or anything, so that was good. But uh, still, I'll be honest with you guys, I'm, I'm kind of nervous. So, uh, but today we will be continuing the series that, that Treb has been leading us in. It's called Life on the Road, uh, Stories of a God Who Meets Us Right Where We Are. Uh, and, and for the past few weeks, we've heard about Paul, or, or Saul, who became Paul, and, and Ananias, and, and how God met them in the middle of their plans and, and, and changed everything that, that was going on in their life. And, and we've, we've learned about Zacchaeus, uh, who was living a life in sin, and God met him right where he was and, and changed his life. And, and we've, we've heard stories like that for the past, past few weeks now, and we're going to continue that series. And, and I think we can all recognize that there are times in our lives where God seems very, very distant, like he, he's not around. We, we, we've all experienced those times where, where we, we've wondered, is God, is God really here? God, are, are you seeing what I'm going through? And, and so that, it leads us to that question, where is God when, when we're going through pain? When, when we suffer pain and loss, where is God? And, and that's where we're going today. Um, I have to have notes because I'm no good at this. But uh, So if you guys would go ahead and pray with me, uh, we'll, we'll get into it. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, just thank you that, that I'm no good at this. Because it, it is an opportunity for, for me to rely on you. Pray that you'd fill me with your Holy Spirit. Uh, and that you would change the hearts of, of everyone present here today, God, that, that you'd meet us right where we are, just like you do, and, and change us forever. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, if, if you didn't grab one yet, you can go ahead and snag a Bible in the back. I don't think it's printed in the bulletin today. It's a really long passage. I need a long passage because that way I don't have to talk as much from you know my own words. But it, today we'll be in John 11. Verses 17 through 44, and I'll, I'll go ahead and set up the story for you. As it is so long, I kind of have to summarize the first part. Um, this is towards the end of Jesus's ministry, and uh, he, he'd been traveling the country, Israel, for for three years, and, and he'd made friends along the way. And, and some of these friends are, are Mary, and Martha, and Lazarus, and they're all brothers and sisters. And they live in a town called Bethany, which is just right outside Jerusalem. And, and um, Jesus, Jesus is, is in a different town. He's off away, and word comes to him, Jesus, your friend Lazarus, is sick. And it's, it's implied. It's not just like a regular sick. Lazarus is, is, is really, really sick. And, and, and what they want is Jesus to come and heal him. And Jesus does something kind of weird. He hangs out for two days before he leaves, and then when he gets to Bethany, uh, where Lazarus is, he's been dead for four days. And so we'll, we'll go ahead and we'll pick up where, 
where, when Jesus arrives in verse 17. It says, On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your mother, brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again at the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and he is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not, not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been there, been with Mary in the house comforting her, noticed how quick, quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? We'll go ahead and stop there and pick it back up in a minute. But as we read through that, there's one thing in particular that just really sticks out to me. And it's this almost accusatory tone, this question, Jesus, where were you? You could, you could have stopped this. This, this didn't have to happen. I mean, Martha comes up to him, and, and the very first thing she says is, Lord, if you had been here, if you had been here, this wouldn't have happened. And, you know, she, she's probably right. That, that if Jesus had been around, he, he would have healed Lazarus and, and not let him die. And, you know, Martha's been friends, good friends with Jesus for a long time. There are other stories about Mary and Martha in the Bible that we can look to and we can say they know each other and that they they eat meals together in, in their homes. They're good friends. They've She's seen him heal people, do miracles. Um, she's heard him speak the very words of God, and, and she's she's confused. Why why would my good friend Jesus not not come heal my brother? Why? Why would he show up two days later than, than he should have? It, it, and, and she's upset. And we heard her sister Mary the exact same thing. It's, it's just such a natural response. Jesus, where were you? If you'd been there, it, it wouldn't have happened. And the Jews at the end, they, they even say the exact same thing. Now, now, Jesus in the passage, he does something really interesting to me. If... If I had been asked to come and heal a guy, and, and I had decided to just hang out two days and show up, I probably wouldn't have wanted to go and see his sisters. I, I probably would have skipped around the skirt of town, shown up at Lazarus' tomb, raised Lazarus, and then gone and saw Mary and Martha and said, 
hey, Mary and Martha, look, look what I did. Isn't, isn't this cool? But Jesus doesn't do that, and, and, and it's strange to me, and, and I think it's very significant. I, and it, I'm sure he does it on purpose. He does everything on purpose. He goes and, and he, he, he waits outside town for Martha to come to him. And he, he speaks with her, and, and he, he uses words, and he, he tries to comfort her. He says, Martha, your brother's coming back. Martha, it's, it's going to be okay. Don't, don't you know who I am? Don't you trust me? And then, and then he, he, he sends her after Mary, and, and Martha goes and gets Mary and says, hey, the teacher's waiting for you. And, and he stands and he waits on Mary, and, and he weeps with her. I, I, I don't think I can overstate the significance of, of that event of Jesus weeping. It's, I, think, I think our knee-jerk reaction is to look at that and say, oh, wow, Jesus is sad that Lazarus is dead. And, and that, that's, what, that's what the Jews thought. They, they said, see how he loved him. But Jesus knew Lazarus was dead before that. He, he, he knew going in. He, he, he'd seen it all. If we, even when we look back at, at the beginning of the chapter in, in verse 4, he's like, yeah, Lazarus is, Lazarus is going to die. Maybe that's... Anyway. He says Lazarus is going to die. I know that's going to happen. And so it's something else that, that evokes this deep emotion within Jesus. It's, it's that the people around him are in pain. And he empathizes with them. I'm sure you've all been in a situation where... I, I know I have. When there, there was suffering and loss, and it didn't really affect me at all, but, but man, I was sad. I, I was hurting inside because the people that I loved were hurting. And, and I can know that it's all going to come out okay, but, but still, I, I empathize. And, and we, can, we can take comfort in the fact that we have a God, that, that Jesus is a God that, that isn't above us. He doesn't, he doesn't look at our problems. He doesn't say, oh, Lazarus is dead, but he's going to be back in 10 minutes. He, he doesn't look at that situation and just ignore Mary and Martha. He meets them right where they are and, and comforts them and, and weeps with them and empathizes with them. Um, and, and so, yeah, Let, let's pick back up where, where we left off in 38. It says, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Keep going. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father... I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. That's my, my Jesus voice. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. It's a spectacular miracle. I mean, the dude's been dead four days. He, he, they don't have the preservatives that we have now. He, he smells. And, and, and what that smell means is that 
billions of, of little bacteria are eating his body and producing a noxious gas. Like, the dude is, is dead and dying. Um, it's like, it's real similar to like if, if you saw a dead dog on the side of the road. I mean, that's, that's the condition that Lazarus is in. And, and he raises him from the dead. And there are so many things that seem like they're out of control, like God is absent from it. But this is, is just the clearest, clearest picture in the world to me, that God is never, never out of has never lost control. That, that everything is within his power, even to raise a man that's been dead for four days and smells bad and he's just gross. He can raise him back from the dead with, with a word. Um, and, and he's, it's, it's of no question to Jesus. I think this is really significant. Verses 43 and 44, where, where he's, he, he has this little prayer with God. But it's not really even a prayer. He's just kind of like, God, you know, you and I, we're on the same page, but I need, I need to say this so that everybody else can know what's going on. And, and I think that this is really where we get the insight for the way, why Jesus has done what he's done. It's not that God was out of control in the beginning and, and, then, and then gained control later on. It, it's not that he, he wanted Lazarus to die. It's that he knew that in the end there would be some good that came from it. Um, that that he they can't that he can't produce without without it. That, that there would be some change in perception, some new level of understanding that Mary and Martha and his disciples and even Lazarus would gain from from this. And and so it's good. It's good that it happened. And we, we know Paul, Paul relays the message to us in Romans 8.28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And I can tell you from my own personal experience that, that that's just, it's true. Um, I'm sure, some of you have heard this story before, uh, I'm sure. And if it bores you, I, I apologize. But uh, my freshman year of college, uh, I was diagnosed with a disease called Hodgkin's lymphoma. And, and it's a type of cancer. And so I had to go through chemo and, and radiation and, and all those things. And, and physically, it was a very difficult time. The, the chemo, it, it lowers your white blood cell count. I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with all this th- sort of stuff. It, it lowers your white blood cell count. And, and so to, to combat that, I, I had to have these other shots two or three times a week uh, that would boost my white blood cell count. And white blood cells are produced in, in your bones, in your bone marrow. And so that drug makes your bones hurt, but the chemo makes your muscles hurt. And I would kind of alternate weeks where, where I would just be in, in these two different types of pain. And, and it, was, it was hard to sleep, really. And so I was, I was constantly exhausted and pain all of the time. And it was a very trying experience. There, there's even this one drug. Um, they, they call it Big Red. And it's so poisonous that... When the nurse gives it to you, she has to wear a paper smock so she can tell if she got it on herself anywhere. Because if you get it on your skin, it'll burn you. And uh, but somehow it's okay to go and put it straight into your veins. Uh, and after you've had this drug for the next three days, you have to flush the toilet twice after you use the restroom. Because if 
somehow there's residue left in the toilet and it somehow splashes back up onto the seat or something and it touches that, that that could even be harmful to somebody. So you have to flush the toilet twice. It's an incredibly poisonous deal. And, man, let me tell you, it hurt. And I can remember this one night in particular. It was in the summer, probably about this time of year, actually. And I'd just about come to the end of my rope. I was, it was three in the morning. Everyone was asleep. I had nowhere to go to. I was, I was in pain in bed, too tired to sleep or too, too tired to do anything else, but, but just lay there. And I said, God, I cried out to God, God, I need you. I can't do this without you. I can't do this by myself. And I just felt this overwhelming sense of comfort. This, that I knew that God was there with me and he was going to help me through it. The, the pain didn't go away, but, but I knew God was there. And so I, I, can, I can relate a lot to this sentiment. It, sometimes it seems hollow to, to say, you know, bad things happen because God uses them for good. But let me tell you, I wouldn't trade my experience with cancer for anything. It, it is 100% the best thing that ever happened to me. It, it's, it's why I'm up here talking to you now. It's, it's why I, I've decided to go into full-time ministry with the rest of with, with my life. It's, it, it produced in me a love and a trust for God that, that would not have come otherwise. And, and I'm sure that the experience that Mary and Martha and Lazarus had did the exact same thing. If, if you think for a second Lazarus would say, no, I want those four days back, I'd I couldn't imagine that. I would love to be Lazarus. I would, have, I would love to have been that guy that died for four days and got smelly and stinky and, and eaten by microbials and, and raised from the dead. But can you imagine? Can you imagine the, the depth of understanding that, that he would have? That, I mean, he would know without a doubt Jesus is the Lord and, and he's worth following and he, and he loves me. And... So in the end, we have a God that loves us, and he wants to comfort us. He doesn't, he doesn't shirk around the sorrow. He doesn't hover above it and look down and think, oh, how feeble are they that, that, that they're crying and weeping. He, he meets us right where we are. He empathizes with us. He weeps with us. But in the end, he, he remains in control, and he redeems, and he uses all of the good, all of the bad for the good of those who love him. And I know it's a, it's a powerful message to me. Uh, will you guys pray with me? And Don, you can come on back up. And-